Well, hey, good morning. How are we doing? Good. Hey, I'm glad to be here. My name's David. I'm on staff if you haven't met me yet, uh, but really excited you're here. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about how my marriage started. And uh, day number one, I'm going to take you all the way back. So day number one, my wife and I, um, we'd been married about eight hours at this point. And so we're in the car and we're driving out to Detroit. We're going on our honeymoon to get on an airplane and head out to Colorado. And uh, about halfway on our trip to the airport, so two, three hour trip, whatever, about halfway in, my phone goes off. I go, all right, whatever. Grab the phone, area code I don't recognize, number I don't recognize. And so I pick it up and I just answer it. I go, hello? They go, hi, who am I talking to today? I was like, well, this is David, right? Like she seemed excited, so I got excited. I'm like, this is David. She said, David, I am so happy and excited to tell you that you are the winner of an all-expenses-paid vacation. You get to go on a cruise wherever you want to go. I'm like, nah. And she's like, you are the winner. And I'm like, for real? And she's like, yeah. So any destination, you have a place in mind? I'm like, well, I'm going on my honeymoon right now, but we'll use the second one. And so like, I'm getting excited and she's talking it up. And I mean, very sweet, very innocent sounding. And so I'm like, awesome, sweet. What, what do I need to do to like lock it in? And she's like, I just need your credit card number. I'm like, that's easy enough. I got it right here. So I'm driving and I'm pulling out and my wife is sitting, my brand new eight hours in wife is sitting there looking at me like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I was like, all right, it, it's a visa. And, she, and Shan's like, what are you doing right now? I was like, honey, we just want a vacation. I just have to lock it in. Like we're almost done. And she said, think about that. I went free vacation, credit card. Oh, <laughs> hung up the phone. And my first thought was, this is why you marry up. And I was like, this is, think about all of the pain and toil and my identity. I'm like, honey, you, th- you, this is paying off already. You are the bomb. Marriage has only gotten better since then. So here's the deal. I want to ask you as a question, okay? Have you ever believed something to be true that you found out later was a lie? Like I did. Is there anything in your life that just, it looked good, it seemed good, it seemed innocent, seemed uh, exciting, like, oh, this is a good deal. This is a good, a good deal for me, so I'm going to move forward. Did you ever, like, move forward with something in your life that you found out later you, you got sold a lie, that you actually got the short end of that deal? Maybe it was like a purchase, uh, maybe it was a relationship, maybe it was a free cruise, maybe, I don't know what it was for you, but I'm willing to bet that you do. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote about half of our New Testament, writes a letter to a group uh, in Thessalonica. So the, the name of the book is Thessalonians. And so Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians because they believed something that Paul had taught that said, you know, Jesus is coming back a second time. They believed that, they knew it to be true, but then others started spreading rumors, spreading lies that said Jesus already came and you missed it. And so this lie that they heard, they begin to allow it to take root and it starts scaring them. It's causing anxiety. It's causing fear, it's causing strife and chaos. And so Paul writes this letter to them addressing their fear in this situation. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. 
For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs, until the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He goes on. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. When I was with you, you knew this. Don't miss that. We started with the truth. When I was with you, you knew this. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. What I want you to notice here before we move on is notice the effect that lies and deception has on the people around it. Chaos, fear, anxiety, strife, conflict. Notice, I mean, even as Paul is writing, you can picture him talking them down, going, calm down, relax. This hasn't happened yet. You know what I told you before, right? Talking somebody off the cliff. Many of us have been there. Many of us have been on the cliff. He's talking them down, saying, relax. You guys know the truth. You know what this is. But here's the thing. Some of us, or maybe even many of us, have also bought in or believed lies just like they had. A couple of them I wrote down here. One, um, some of us maybe have been lured into an affair, Maybe as we look back on our life or in relationships, at one point what seemed good or true or innocent enough actually translated to be devastating, chaotic, and destructive. Others, maybe you think back and it was the first time that you had your first drink. And it seemed good and it seemed innocent and seemed fine at first, but then the initial one became and a second one, and a third one, and all of a sudden it took you to this place that just released you from any of the bondage or fear or anxiety or whatever it was you were dealing with, that it became, uh, once, once was something good had now maybe become something that you need, something that's dependent, something that creates havoc and destruction and pain in your life or in the lives of people around you. Here's one more. Some of you, maybe it's as simple as this, maybe it was the first paycheck that it came in and it seemed simple, it seemed innocent, it seemed like, hey, I, I earned this, I did a good job, and that first paycheck started something in your heart that said, I need this, I, I need another one, and I need another one, and I need more, and I need more, and I need more, and many of us, we just pursue that path that starts with something that initially seems good, but it takes root in our heart that actually breeds something much different. It breeds death or destruction or chaos or anxiety, and the list can go on and on and on. Many of us are very familiar with the shrapnel that comes from believing lies. So let's keep reading. This is 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how who works. Satan. Notice that Satan is working against the power of Jesus. 
and he's using lies and deception to manipulate and create destruction. Let's keep reading. He will use all sorts, Satan will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the truth, that serve the lie, and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Here's what Paul is pointing out to his audience, the Thessalonian church. The Thessalonians, you have to understand, this was one of Paul's like favorite church plants. It was one of the earliest plants. He started them. He met a couple people. He led them to the Lord, and they started this church because Paul left. And so they kept meeting, and they kept worshiping, and they kept studying, and they kept living and breathing and doing life together as a group, as the body of Christ. They did so many things well that Paul praised them so much in his earlier letters. But this one, you could tell Paul's heart for them is heavy because they've, they've missed something that's going on around them that they couldn't see for themselves. And that was this. There's not just this, this war over trying to figure out what's true and what's lie, what's true, what's lie, what's true, what's lie. There's actually something bigger that's going on, and it's this war that evil is using to turn people away from God and to turn people away from the truth of what God says and of who He is. This war that's going on outside of them isn't just flesh and blood, but spiritual. And Paul's saying, I want you to see this. And you would say, well, how come maybe many of us can't see it? How come maybe I can't see it? I, I look for stuff like that. How come I can't see it? Or maybe some of us say, yeah, I see it, but it's hard to just put my finger on it and identify. This is what Romans says. Paul wrote to the Roman church, and he said this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. What Paul is saying is, People can literally suppress truth with sin. That when we sin, when we engage in the world following whatever it is, anything, pleasure, money, sex, power, it doesn't matter what it is. When we pursue things at the expense of what God has called us to and live outside of what this book teaches us, what we actually do, to use this metaphor, is we turn down the volume of what is true and we turn up the volume of what is false. Can you see how that can be a really dangerous place to live? Because at a certain point, you hear so many lies all the time, it begins to be hard to distinguish, is there even any truth out there? The next step would be believing the lies to be true. And if we're honest, and if we think, many of us have actually found ourselves in places in which lies have taken such deep root in our hearts that they have the ability to manipulate us in a million different ways. This is what Paul is talking about with this community. Let's read one more out of Romans. This is Romans 1.25. Paul says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. You ever bartered for something before, maybe in a foreign country or in a place where that's like encouraged? I picture someone saying, 
I'm going to trade what I know is true to build a lie, to believe a lie, to live out a lie because I, I like the lie better than the truth. I like sin better than the righteousness to which God has called us. And so we, we literally make an exchange and it turns down the volume of what God has to say, what God really wants to say to us. The worst part is it's our own doing. So I want to tell you, um, I debated about telling this next story with you, kind of just back and forth. I didn't know, should I say or shouldn't I share it? And, and if so, how much? So I'm just going to share it with you and let you know. Um, but I, I'm in a group in which I do not lead. So I told you that a couple weeks ago. I jumped in. I joined a group last year. I figured if I'm going to lead groups here, I should probably be in one, right? So I jumped in. I joined a group, and our group leader's been fantastic. And they let us. I mean, for the first three, four months, whatever, we came close. There's five couples. We've added three kids in less than a year. So like, hello, there we go. We figured, figured out how groups work, right? So um, we're in a group. We're in a married group. We're growing. And what Sean said earlier, and this is really important. I want you to hear this, that we truly believe that your relationship with God gets better, that you will grow in your relationship with God better, faster, more effectively in a group of people than you will by yourself. And that's what happened to our group. I mean, our marriages are getting stronger. Our relationships are getting stronger. The time that we're spending reading and praying and serving, are, I mean, it's just every, all of our, all the areas of our life as we follow Jesus are getting better as a result. And so there's one night, um, we were over at our house. This is the first time that we hosted and all five couples are there and we're, we're like kind of sitting in a circle somewhat and just talking about, hey, what's going on in life and prayer requests and whatnot. And so people start sharing um, but it's not like kind of like the lighthearted, fluffy stuff. Like it was, it was serious stuff. Some were saying, uh, I've been having like heart palpitations. I mean, we're a young marrieds group, 20s and 30s. And so it's like, wow, okay, that's, that's serious. Um, one sharing heart palpitations and another one saying, uh, I'm dealing with postpartum depression and anxiety and it's killing me. Another one shared another chronic illness that they're struggling with, another one shared another health issue that's going on, another one shared another um, maybe emotional or kind of like emotional, I don't even, I just, we're all struggling. Five of us shared very significant things that we had struggled with, not just that day, but for a while. And someone said in our group, let's pray for this. Well, let's do it differently than maybe we've done in the past. What's it look like if we circle up in our group and we actually literally lay hands on each other and we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit against this stuff? Because we've received power from the Holy Spirit, but we also have received authority from Jesus. That Jesus says when you command things, if there's, whether it's illnesses or diseases or spiritual forces, the demonic, whatever it is, Jesus gave us authority over that, and so we said, well, let's pray together. This is what we did. We're in our living room, and was it awkward? Of course it was awkward, because none of us had really done a lot of this before, so we're all kind of like in a huddle. It's like game day, right? We're all just like, all right, who's the play caller here? All right, good. Now we're good. And we, we literally started laying hands on each other and praying for each one, and we went around the circle. Five significant things that were going on in people's lives that you could measure, like they were, they were tangible, and we prayed against them. It was a powerful experience. 
something I'd recommend every group to do. If you're not in a group, get in one, because there's something powerful about someone laying hands on you and praying on your behalf. And so it was this crazy, incredible experience. We loved it. Um, This is the part that I debated telling you. The next four days were the worst four days of my life. They were the worst. Um, I've never struggled with anxiety. I've never struggled with fear. Um, Really haven't. I mean, I've been a relatively kind of fearless kid growing up, and, you know, I would hear things about anxiety, and I just didn't understand, didn't comprehend. Um, The next day, so this was a Wednesday night, on Thursday, I got hit with something I can't explain to you. And it seemed like this, whatever it was, it, it gripped my heart. And it felt like it was squeezing. And the, the thought that came to my head immediately was, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. My heart started doing weird things, started skipping beats. It would race. I would sit at the table. I have one of the smartwatches. And I would watch my heart rate go 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, 120. And I didn't even move. I went, what is going on? fear, anxiety. I was supposed to preach that weekend. How awesome is that? So I get in my truck on Saturday. I'm driving here to spend some time just in prayer. And halfway here, I just start bawling. The fear, it was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was just terrified. I mean, not, not like a scared, like, like it was terror, like horror movie type terror. And I just remember these three lies that just kept hitting over and over and over. You're dying. You're all alone. God can't save you. And I just felt myself spinning and spinning and spinning out of control. Some of you have been in places like that. As I've shared my story with many of you and shared this part, this wasn't that long ago. As I've shared this, many of you have shared, I've been there. I've experienced that. That's my life. I've been that way as long as I can remember. And it's different. It's in different seasons. It plays out different ways. And here's what happened. Um, In that time, if you're having the worst couple days of your life in which you see no end, I mean, I remember it was after preaching on Sunday. I'm in my bed in the fetal position, shaking, and I turned to my wife And I ask her this question, is it ever going to end? She's never seen that in me. I I had believed the lie, this is normal. And this is now your normal. Some of you are there. Some of you get it. Some of you aren't there and don't get it, but can see other people around you in similar situations gripped by fear, gripped by anxiety, struggling with a medical diagnosis. This is a spiritual attack. It's what Paul talks about as he writes to the Second Thessalonians, and he's saying, don't believe the lie that is in front of you because there's something bigger and greater that's going on that you need to be aware of so that you can fight it, not so that you just succumb to it. So here's what was crazy about this story is those four days were horrible, but I reached out to two men in my life who I saw as warriors, guys who had incredible prayer lives, guys who were just so 
embedded with scripture and they just knew it and it was written on their hearts and when they prayed they prayed authoritatively and they when they prayed stuff happened these are the guys that i want praying for me in my worst time of need and so i called them one of them was here and he showed up um he was here sunday morning and i went i need help i need help right now can you please come to my office? And so he came to my office, and I was telling, and I was sharing, and he wrote down some verses on a note card, and he gave them to me, and he said, read these out loud. Whenever you feel like a spirit of fear or anxiety is coming over you, you read Scripture. That's how you fight lies. You use truth. So read this. And so he laid hands, and he prayed for me. There's another gentleman that I called, another guy named Rich, who just prayed for me over the phone, but then he quit me and said, David, here's what you do. Get your Bible and read this to what is plaguing, what is attacking you, because you're sitting there defenseless, getting beat up, and you're not, you're not doing anything. Use this weapon that you have called Scripture. This is what Paul was speaking not just to the Roman church, but to the Thessalonian church, to the Ephesian church, to the Colossian church, all the churches that he would write to, he would say, know the truth because the truth is a weapon that will set you free. You must know it because many of you are just walking around and living life and you're getting beat up on the inside and no one else knows it. And yet you're, you're wondering, like me, is this my normal? Will it ever stop? The whole purpose of this series that we're preaching through is what does a real follower of Jesus look like? And I want you to hear this. A follower of Jesus has power from the Holy Spirit and authority from Jesus over the lies of the enemy. I went to group a couple days later, so that was Sunday. Sunday it left. I just kept reading, reciting over and over and over. The verse that was given to me was, I think, 1 Timothy. And I kept reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it. And it said, for God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And I read it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I, I memorized it in 24 hours. This is what I need. This is my weapon to fight. For God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And there was something about speaking truth into darkness that we realize we not just have power, but we also have authority. I showed up for small group on Wednesday, and our group leader kind of went around and he said, hey, anything weird happen this week to anybody else? I went... I'll go last, though. <laughs> and we went around the room, and of the five things that we had prayed for, four of them had totally disappeared. Does that tell you that there is not a war of flesh and blood going on, but a spiritual war that is happening in our midst? That God gives His people and his followers power. Even though the enemy also has power, what the enemy does not have is authority. 
Jesus, when he died on the cross and resurrected, he's standing before a group of people, about, I think, 70 or 80 people. He's standing before them, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Take my authority and use it as a weapon in the world against the spiritual forces of evil and of darkness in which the weapon of choice is deception. This is the most important thing you could hear today. Let's keep reading. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says this, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the, say it with me, truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you. Whether by word of mouth or by letter, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope through this book right here. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. As I'm wrapping this up today, I want to take us to what has now become one of my favorite parts of Scripture. And this is Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God as we're in a world full of lies and deception and confusion and chaos and pain and destruction and darkness. God says, I didn't leave you by yourself. I didn't not give you anything. In fact, I gave you some of the most powerful tools and equipment and weapons to fight against it. So then you're not just subject to the weight of darkness, but that you can actually speak light into darkness, that you can speak order into chaos. You can speak life where there is death and you have authority to do so in my name. So it says this, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, I love this, to stand. That after you've given everything you've got, after you've been protected by the armor of God, that you might stand and stand firm even after an attack. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted for the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Love this. Think Braveheart here for a second. The shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do you know this is how the enemy attacks? From far away, 
we don't fight like this anymore, but from far away, what the enemy would do is they would take arrows and they would set them on fire and they would shoot hundreds of them up in the air so they just rain down on their opponent. And what Paul is saying is you have a, a shield. You have a shield that's called faith. And that when these arrows are coming down, you just hold up that shield and that the enemy that's far off and is playing dirty and playing cheaply, who's just lobbing stuff at your way, you're so protected from it. You just rest in the comfort and protection of that shield of faith. But here's the last one. I don't want us to miss this. Last two. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And I could not do this sermon without using an illustration. As he talks, and he says, the sword of the Spirit. I want to ask you a question. Is a sword used for fighting an enemy far away or fighting an enemy close? Close. What I want you to see is that we've been given a weapon. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel pretty safe right now. And you know what? I'm willing to bet that you don't. But as you look at this, what do you think combat? You don't run into a battle unarmed. You go into the battle with a weapon. And Paul says, we've been given weapons, we've been given armor, we've been given protection and power and authority. But so many of us enter into the battle of life and we go outside these doors into a world full of chaos and destruction and confusion and despair and deception with nothing. That's why we ask questions like, what, what's true for you? What is truth? Is there a truth? What God says is, yes, there's a truth. And this is the truth. And that my people have been given a weapon not to be used against each other, but to be used against the enemy. It's the weapon of the truth of God. Do you realize that you have been given this weapon to speak in areas of your life and areas of the lives of people around you at home, with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers? You've been given a weapon to destroy what is destroying people. And it's not hard. It's not complicated. But it's found right here. Maybe you're like me. You struggle like just sitting down and, and just reading page after page and you find your mind wandering. I found this recently and I just wanted to share this with you. It's an app called Dwell. Download it. Try it. What it does is there's four different voices and then there's like a, a music that you can choose to play in the background. I, I choose like an ambient because I'm just, I'm, I'm like sensing. I, I like hearing I like, like this, like an underscore behind me as I'm hearing the word of God being spoken over me. And I got to tell you, it's changing my life. 
because I'm hearing scripture, the truth, the word of God just reigned over me. And I feel equipped and I feel empowered and I feel like I've been given authority to speak into areas of brokenness and lostness and death for the sake of the kingdom. And God is working through it. I want that for you. So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. If you want to, you can extend your hands. But what you need to hear today is some truth. Because some of you, the lies have such a deep and strong grip on your heart. That the only thing that can set you free from that is truth. So if you want to close your eyes, receive this. You are a loved son and daughter of the king. You have been forgiven all of your sin. Death and sin have lost its grip on your heart because Jesus is Lord over all. He is Lord over everything. And he will return to establish his kingdom sometime soon. And he has given us more than just power to fight the enemy, but authority over evil in our world. You are not without a weapon. And you are not without protection. God, we just come before you right now grateful that you are a loving, tender father and a warrior king. And we thank you that you have equipped us and called us to be a part of your service, to be a part of your kingdom, that you, you've commissioned us to go out into our world, to go out into our workplaces, to go out into our families, to go out maybe even just to our own hearts, Father. You've empowered us to speak life into darkness and to bring order out of chaos. And we thank you for that gift, God. Many of us have it picked up our Bible in a long time. Father, I just pray that you would stir a desire in them to get to know you better, to know you deeper, to spend time in the truth so that when the lies and deception of the enemy come, we are ready and we extinguish it. So when the enemy attacks our family members, people we love, our bodies, when the enemy attacks, we pray, Father, that you would put truth on our hearts to speak it and to kill it. God, there's a lot going on in this room. There's a lot going on in the hearts and lives of your people. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just fill them with a peace that transcends all understanding right now, that reminds us that you are God, that you are over all and in all and through all, and that you have equipped us and protected us and sent us out to release prisoners from bondage. We love you. We thank you. We commit this to you right now, this time. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said together, Amen.